depreciation is a passive deduction, which means it can only really be used against to offset your passive income. And passive income, the IRS defines as rental or real estate, you know, rental income. So if you have investments or you have rental properties. Welcome to the No Broke Months for Real Estate Agents podcast. Working as a real estate agent can be incredibly rewarding and fulfilling, but it can also be frustrating if you aren't making the money you deserve. So if you're ready to end the stressful cycle of working hard for no results, then get started with a proven step-by-step system so that every month is no broke months. Yona Weiss is a powerhouse with property owners' tax savings. As business director at Madison Specs, a national cost segregation leader, he has assisted clients in saving hundreds of millions of dollars on taxes through cost segregation. Yona has a background in teaching and a passion for real estate and helping others. He's a real estate investor and host of Weiss Advice's top podcast. In this interview with Yona, he will share tips on minimizing your taxes. My name is Dan Roshan, and I'm the host of the No Broke Months podcast, which is a show for real estate agents that's designed to help you have no broke months. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the show. Hello, consistent, predictable income community, kick-ass CPI agents. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's Dan Roshan. I'm joined with Yona Wise. And Yona is a powerhouse in property owners' tax savings. We're going to talk about how to minimize your tax, defer your tax with cost segregation. Welcome, Yona. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's so great to be here, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. So, Yona, so we were talking off stage or backstage. Tell us, where do you live, Yona? I actually live in Jerusalem in the Holy Land of Israel right now. Mm. And before that? Before that, I grew up in Southern California, so I spent most of my days in LA and uh, San Diego. What's the one biggest difference? I don't even know how to ask this question. If there was one biggest difference between LA and San Diego and Jerusalem, what would that be? The biggest difference, well, I mean, it doesn't even start. I would want to say the language, but there are so many Israelis in LA, it's hard to... Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, and you can speak English here all day long also, and you'd be just fine. Most of the time, the biggest difference, honestly, is really the culture. Is There's a lot of cultural differences that takes a long time to get used to. And you know, like every culture, every country has its own culture and its own you know, people have a different worldview, do things differently. And so it just, there's little nuances in everyday life that you just, you got to take with a grain of salt and just yeah. let it pass over. I got you. Yeah. I can't imagine that the difference in cultures is pretty significant. So anyway, so let's talk today about cost segregation. So you are an investor, you invest in the States, you have a background for teaching and a passion for helping real estate investors. And you have a podcast, the Weiss Advice Top Podcast. And so Let's start with segregation because I don't know if everybody knows what that is and how that can help you defer taxes. And so, what's cost segregation? Yeah, a lot of people don't know what this is. It's pretty amazing. It is a it's a weird name for an income tax deduction that essentially allows you, as a property owner, to deduct more from your income tax than you would have had you not used this method. So, essentially, it's depreciation but a much more advanced form of it that allows you to take from the pool of potential depreciation deductions 
and front load them. It's like you imagine you have like this imaginary bank account of these potential deductions and you can really only take a little bit every year, right? You're only allotted a little bit. Well, it comes cost segregation and through this very detailed engineering breakdown of the property, we show how some deductions can actually be taken sooner and you can basically pull sometimes 20 to 30% of those potential deductions up front in the first year. So this is for investment properties. And so then you would pull in, so you would do a, so typically you do a cost segregation analysis and then they identify to say, okay, here's a certain period of time you could depreciate. And then, but we also know that roof is going to depreciate at a different time level than a floor. And so we'll front load it to the things that are going to appreciate quicker than longer. Do I understand that correctly? Sort of, yeah. So essentially, like the building and the structural components, the IRS says depreciate on a 27 and a half or mm-hmm. 39 year schedule, which is depending on whether it's residential or commercial. But there are certain components inside the property, and it actually used to be called before cost segregation, used to be called component depreciation, which made, makes a lot more sense. So you're looking around your room and you're like, well, I have all this, you know, what we call personal property, which can include anything that is not integral to the structure, like furniture. Or equipment or carpeting, floor, vinyl flooring, cabinets, light fixtures, you know, window treatments, blinds, et cetera, all that kind of stuff and, and much more depreciates on a five year schedule. And so the IRS says if you can identify through this method of cost segregation what the value of those individual components are, then you're allowed to take them as a tax deduction at that faster five year rate. Okay. So is that only personal property that you can speed it up on? No real property? So, so real property, you know, so the how it's broken down is we actually break down the what's called the real property, which is the structural components like the doors, roof, windows, you know, whatever's integral to the structure. The IRS says all that actually depreciates on a 27-hour for 39-year schedule. So there's a third category, which is called land improvements. So not land because land does not depreciate. You're not allowed to take any deduction for the value of the land, but what's on top of the land, you can. So, for example, landscaping or pavement, concrete, if you have a driveway, a parking lot, or anything like that on your property, or signage, fencing, storm water drain systems, all that kind of stuff has value to it, and the value of that depreciates on a 15-year schedule. And so those two different categories, and these are the segregating right, the cost into these different categories of 39, 15, Five, and then anything that's less than 20, which is the 15 and five, the land improvements on the personal property, we're able to take those in the first year as what's called bonus depreciation. So you have the option to either spread them over what we call accelerated depreciation, spreading over a faster time span, or bonus depreciation, which is actually taking a huge lump sum in the first year. Okay. Hit me up with those first year depreciations one more time. I follow, let me go back and make sure I did follow you. So sure. 27 and a half or 39 years, depending on investment or personal property, correct? Commercial properties on a 39-year schedule, residential, including multifamily on a 27 and a half year schedule. Okay. Thank you for, all right. So yeah. 27 and a half, 39, and then you can depreciate improvements to the property that are land improvements, not the land, but are infrastructure things that are like the pavement in the water retention. Landscaping, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. On a 15-year schedule. 15 years. Okay. And then on five years, you can do personal property. Exactly. All right. And then what can you front load to the first year? 
So once we've done the cost variation and allocated the 5 and the 15 to these faster schedules, broken them out essentially from the 27 and a half, you're able to take all of that in the first year, all the 5 and the 15 year property. So essentially, if you're not doing a cost variation, everything is just lumped together on this 27 and a half year schedule, which yeah. is, according to the IRS, actually not the correct way to do it. Okay. And so then the, could you do it more than one year? So you can do this one time, meaning it's one a time. One, yeah. one time thing to do. And once you front load those deductions, you've taken them in that first year. So it. it's not something you can do more than once on the same property, unless it changes ownership, right? The amazing thing about this whole thing of depreciation, it's not intrinsic to the value of the property. It's right. literally a tax deduction for you, the property owner. So even though the property was built, you know, who knows, in 1952, and it's been, you know, depreciated, quote unquote, right, for a long time already, and the previous owner already depreciated it and even did conservation, sells it to you in 2022 or 2020, whenever this is airing, right? And you're able to take those deductions from Brandon, you're able to start your schedule over from the beginning. Yeah, that's it. I never actually considered that, the aspect of the fact that, I mean, I bought a property today and we start the cost segregation, but it's already, or the depreciation rather, but it's already been depreciated. And okay, yeah, that, that's a great tax benefit. And so then this will, do you owe the taxes? Is it forgiven or is it deferred? So it's, it's not forgiven and it's not deferred. How it works is you've taken those deductions and you're basically taking deductions. However, when you do go to sell a property, whenever you sell it, whether you'd use consideration or not, you have a tax called depreciation recapture tax. So you are essentially deferring the, not even deferring, but coming to a later point where you're going to face that tax. However, that's going to tax at a lower rate on Can the you sale. Can you and that? correct. Yeah. If you do a 1031, you defer that tax even further out. Okay. So you're going to defer the tax into the sale, but then once the sale, you can take the whole chunk of that and then defer that with a 1031 tax deferred exchange? Exactly. Got it. All right. If you're looking for no broke months, I invite you to join the five day challenge for free. Save your seat at five daylistingchallenge.com. That's the number five daylistingchallenge.com. You'll learn how to take listings in today's market without cold calling, door knocking, or begging. That's five daylistingchallenge.com. We help real estate agents have no broke months. All right, hold on one second. Let me backtrack here because I want to get really, really basic, right? Because we're, you know, I want to get too geeky, right? So explain to us, to the audience, what a 1031 tax deferred exchange is for those that may not know. So that is from a section from the tax code that allows you to exchange one property for another. Instead of selling it in a traditional manner, you can fill out some certain paperwork. And if you intend to buy another property in its place, you can actually exchange property A for property B without having to pay any capital gains tax. And that's really the main reason why this was implemented to allow people to avoid or defer at least that capital gains tax. However, there's a lot of rules that come along with that. There's paperwork that needs to be filled out. There are timelines, some very strict timelines that you need to identify the property before you even go into contract. 
So you need to do that. And then a certain time where you have to close on that property in order to fulfill this 1031 exchange. So there are companies out there that specialize in that 1031 exchange qualified intermediaries that are able, you know, allow you essentially to exchange one property for another. Okay. And then defer those taxes. And then what happens at the very, very end of that like series of exchanges, right? Odds are you're probably never going to cash out. You'll probably pass away and then it would go to an estate. That's what they say. Just you exchange one property for another. You keep trading up essentially. What happens sure. is you build up equity and that equity can be traded in for a bigger property or a more expensive property without actually even having to put out any money. And so, but yeah, you're absolutely right. If you do sell out at any point, you will be faced with a capital gain on whatever the gain was from the original time. But they say, you know, swap till you drop and, and that's it. You know, you just you keep going, keep exchanging up until that's exactly right. It passes to your heirs and they, if it is inherited- Is it stepped up? Correct. There's what's called a step up in basis and they will not be taxed on that gain at all. That sounds like a freaking brilliant plan, Yona. I love it. <laughs> just keep, keep doing it, you know? The tax code benefits you know, those who invest in real estate. So I know that, you know, we're talking like some technical stuff today, yeah, right? Yeah. But you're making it really easy to follow along, by the way, right? Like, thank you for that. But tell me, like, for the viewers, for the listeners, what is it that they should know in the simplest way about cost segregation? How they benefit from that and like walk me through like what type of property would somebody purchase? Can they do this in a syndication? Meaning like you and I, I'll give you five dollars, you give me five hundred thousand and we'll pull do fifty fifty on a property. Are we good with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just check it. Right. You can pull together people's money, you know, and syndicate that, you know, like like can you get the cost segregation on on your portion of the ownership? Walk us through this step by step if you could. Yeah, so there's a lot of moving parts there, a lot of great questions. Conservation can be done on any type of property besides for your primary residence. So as long as it's a rental or a business property or an investment property, or you're doing it through a syndication, obviously it means with a group of other people that are partnering up, everyone in that syndication gets this depreciation deduction according to their percentage of ownership. So if you know everyone owns 10% of the property, everyone's going to get 10% of that total depreciation passed through to them. So this can be done, like I said, on any type of property. It can be single family, can be multifamily, office, industrial, self-storage, golf course, you name it, any type of property. However, there is really, I wouldn't say a limit per se, but a where it really starts to make sense from a cost perspective, right? A cost benefit analysis. And how that works is obviously it costs money to get something like this done, right? A cost agent company like ours, Madison Specs, we're the biggest national company that does this, but you know, we do probably about 5,000 of these a year on various types of properties, but it does cost money to get it done, a few thousand dollars minimum, which means if you buy a property for under $200,000, let's say, it's probably not going to make sense from a cost effective standpoint. You may get some tax benefits, but it's going to be minimal. And so therefore, I always like to encourage people, we run a free analysis for anyone who wants to see what the numbers would actually look like if you did a cost saving versus not doing it. And that helps you to really understand what this is actually going to mean on my bottom line. Like, how is this going to affect me on you know paying taxes versus not paying taxes? How long does that take? Like the process. Let's say I've identified a property, and you know I give you a call, 
at uh, Madison Specs and I say, hey, Yona, help me out. Help a brother out. How long is this going to take? So the first step, we always, like I said, run a, a free analysis. Takes a day or two for us to return that around. And then the full process of the conservation, which requires an engineer, one of our engineers, to actually visit the property, either physically or virtually. We've been doing a lot of them through a virtual. However, it takes about six weeks or so, just our timeline. Not that it really takes that long, but just that's our timeline because of our volume and our processes and the review process. It goes through CPAs you know, to make sure they're reviewing all the work and everything like that. So, yeah. All right. So then you it's segregated and then... Your company does the analysis, and then is there like a separate CPA that you would be working with to then take the analysis and sort of make sure that they're applying that to your tax situation? So we work with your CPA, right? We'll work with your current CPA. We're we're not a tax accounting firm. We don't do any tax filing or any work like that. We simply focus on the conservation, and then you take that, and there's literally one page in this like 100-page report that we produce which is your new depreciation schedule. And that one page is literally just your accountant just needs to copy and paste that into your tax return, into your Schedule E, where your depreciation schedule is. And hopefully, they understand enough about taxes to apply it and be able to make those deductions for you. However, I wouldn't just allow that to be just taken for granted because unfortunately, I've come across many, many accountants that really don't even understand this. Okay. And so how would you know if your accountant understands it or not? Well, the first question is just ask them, right? You get an answer. You know, if you ask an accountant, well, I'm thinking about getting a conservation done. I got this, you know, free analysis and they're showing me I could save, you know, $200,000 in taxes. And the accountant comes back and like, no, that's not possible. Or no, this can only be done on, I've heard it all. I've heard, no, it can only be done on new construction. No, it can only be done on uh, commercial properties. No, it can only be done on properties worth over $10 million. There's so many misnomers out there and and even accountants that just don't understand this. Or maybe, you know, 30 years ago, it was different and and the rules have changed since then. So it's important to, if you are focused on real estate and you are focused on someone who, if you are someone who is continually buying real estate, it's important to have an accountant who understands real estate so you can maximize all these different benefits. Would you say that is it common for a CPA to understand this processes or uncommon? I would say if they're just a general practitioner type of CPA, then it's actually pretty uncommon that they will understand the nitty gritty of it. I mean, every accountant understands depreciation because you know that's basic. But even though this is taken directly from the tax code, we're not creating this whole new processes. This is from the IRS. Just yeah. it's such a niche that not everyone understands that. All right. So a general practitioner CPA is probably not going to know what the heck they're doing. So my recommendation, I'm sure Yona, you would agree with this, is talk to other investors who have done this for a long period of time. Like that's probably the easiest way to find the people that you need because there's certainly people who have lived before us and there's certainly Mm -hmm. people that have those relationships already established. And certainly if they've been doing this for a while, they probably understand or at least familiar with cost segregation and benefits and have the team in place. Exactly. And that really goes for, for everything, you know, not just for accountant, for attorneys or brokers or, you know, appraiser, whoever it is, you want to take advice from someone who's actually built a team and done it successfully. So you guys do about 5,000 of these a year? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. That's an amazing amount of work. That's <laughs> How long has your company been in business for? Our company's been in business for about 18 years. Oh, my um, goodness. 
Okay. We haven't always done that many over the past several years. We've grown, but but yeah, currently that's pretty much our average, and it's, it's amazing. You know, the team has just grown. We have about sixty people all together. You know, the whole support staff and engineers, CPAs on staff. It's a, it's a great team to work with. Okay. I recently wrote the book, Real Estate Evolution, The 10-Step Guide to CPI, Consistent and Predictable Income for Real Estate Agents. I wrote this book because I have sold real estate since 2007 and developed an immense amount of experience and knowledge. During my journey, I've witnessed hundreds and maybe even thousands of real estate agents fail in this business. And I firmly believe that that's a shame. In Real Estate Evolution, I will show you the exact steps that I have used as a real estate salesperson to sell one to 15 homes every single month for the past 129 consecutive months. It took me more than two decades to learn the sales and persuasion techniques and more than one decade to master the real estate sales techniques to be able to produce the content that makes up this book. And it took me more than a year to write at a pace of three hours every single day. If you're a real estate agent and you're looking for consistent and predictable income in your business, I invite you to get the book, Real Estate Evolution. And you can get that by visiting www.therealestateevolution.com. And I'll even give it to you for free as long as you pay for the postage. And so is there any area of the United States that you don't work in? No, we work in all 50 states. All 50 states. Okay. So how could somebody get in touch with you? Well, you can reach out to me. On, I'm on all the social media. There's only one Yona Weiss as far as I know. You can also go to my website, yonaweiss.com or our company's website, Madison Specs, which again, madisonspecs.com. Specs is S-P-E-C-S. All right. So you got the specs. Let me get the Yona Weiss for the rest. So Y-O-N-A-H. W-E-I-S-S dot com. Y-O-N-A-H W-E-I-S-S dot com. There you go. Directly to Yona. Yona, what is it that I should know that I haven't asked you today? Well, a few things really important. You know, this is a great, conservation is a great tax strategy, but it's not necessarily for everyone. And we talked about the size of the property, but we didn't necessarily talk about the type of investor, the type of person that owns it. And this is something that doesn't get talked about enough. Depreciation is a passive deduction, which means it can only really be used against to offset your passive income. And passive income, the IRS defines as rental or real estate, you know, rental income. So if you have investments or you have rental properties, you can use this depreciation to offset that. However, if you are a real estate professional, if you are someone who is full-time in the real estate trader business, you can also use depreciation deductions to offset your W-2 or your ordinary, your 1099, whatever other sources of income you have, portfolio income from stocks, whatever that may be. And that's really a benefit a lot of people don't talk about. So if you are a broker, if you own properties and you self-manage them, then you probably are a real estate professional. This is something you can benefit more than the average person. Because again, the average person, if they or their spouse is not a real estate professional, will just be limited to use these deductions. And that's really important. doesn't get spoken about enough. Are there other things that besides real estate that would fall into passive, like dividends from a stock? Is that considered passive or no? Dividends, unfortunately, is considered portfolio income, which is still treated as active. The only other things that would fall into that Schedule E passive 
bucket is royalties or passive business interests. So if you own a business, if you have, you know, not like a stock, but you actually have a, an ownership, a small ownership piece, but don't have any active role in a business, then that could be passive income as well. What if you get like revenue share or profit share from a company, something like that? Again, that's usually considered like, unless you have like an ownership, it's usually more like a stock and more like portfolio income. Yeah. So unfortunately not. But a great, you know, some great things that are out there. Like I have a good friend who partially you know, owns some laundromats and that's, you know, just their businesses and he's getting income from them and that's sure. considered passive income. Got it. So uh, the manager would be active income. The owner would be passive. Is that, do I understand that correctly? Something like that? Exactly. Okay. All right. What else should I know about cost segregation? I haven't asked you. So many things. I mean, we can go on all day, but let's say this is also not something just common questions I get from a lot of people all the time. This is not something you need to do in the first year of ownership. You can do this at any point. It's not something that needs to be done right away. This can be done, you know, even if you've owned a property for a number of years. That's uh, another thing. This isn't something that needs to be done before the end of the calendar year, right? As long as it's done before you file your taxes for that year. So plenty of people get, you know, filing an extension and doing their taxes in September, October, and they can still do the costing on properties they bought in the previous year. So that's uh, another thing. Those are the most common questions I get. You know, I love that you have such a knowledge on this. I have a better knowledge, you know, not having this conversation with you, right? Yeah, so thank you for that's that. That's awesome. Which is probably worse for me to have a basic knowledge because without talking to somebody like you, you know, that basic knowledge can go down the wrong pathway, right? You know, so. That's true. Let me ask you, Jonas. So you've lived in Jerusalem for the last few years. And I want to go back to that as we finish up here because I'm just fascinated by different parts of the world. I have, you know, people within my organization that live all across the world. Completely off topic, what do you love most about living where you live? For me, it's something that is really kind of hard to describe. But uh, you know, being a religious you know, person, a Jewish person, this is—it's a very spiritual place. And if you're here and you tap into that spirituality, it, it's incredible. It's hard to describe, but to me, that's the best part about being here. You know, I can go to uh, certain holy places that have been there, you know, for thousands of years, and know that our ancestors, you know, have walked here, and very you know, amazing things have happened here, and, and just kind of feel that and, and be in, in tune with that. And so it's very, very powerful. I can hear your expression of that pass through this conversation from you to me. So thank you for sharing that. Awesome. Yona, thank you again for your time today. If you're interested, go to www.yonahweiss.com and Yona's team will be able to help you to learn more if this is the right benefit for you and to be able to educate you in the process. Yona, thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you, Dan. Hate the feeling of missing out and not knowing where to start? Aside from grabbing a copy of The Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI, we also encourage you to join our ever-growing group, the Consistent and Predictable Income Community. Apply for membership on Facebook and visit us at nobrokemonths.com online to listen to our previous superstar interviews. I'm a seasoned agent, but I've certainly had uh, some months uh, with no business and some cash flow issues. Dan's opened my eyes to a lot of things and taught me things that I just haven't been able to get anywhere else. So learning his methodologies has been really helpful to me in my life and very importantly, in my business.